Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Here we are at midweek, a little bit of field work going on around the country, kind of stop and start with some showers moving through. We're going to get some more updates uh, today. We're going to check in with a farmer in Illinois and a farmer in northeastern Nebraska to get an update. Yesterday we heard from the St. Joe, Missouri area, so we continue to take a look around at how the early planting is going I say early, it seems late, but uh, we're still here in April, but uh, things are just finally starting to get going. Also today, we're going to talk about trade. Uh, We're going to talk with the National Pork Producers Council about the importance of the trade talks with Japan, with China, and of course, USMCA. A lot on the line for agriculture in general, the pork industry in particular. We'll talk about that coming up with Maria Ziba the Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council, a little bit later on. But we're going to start things off today, a check on the news with DTN's Todd Neely. Hi, Todd. How are you? Hi, Mike. Good. Good to talk to you. Hey, have we got, a, I guess, a legal story to look at, another legal challenge. This one is for the so-called ag-gag law in the state of Iowa. What's the latest on that? Well, yeah, as you know, Mike, uh, earlier this year, uh, a federal court in Iowa had ruled that Um, A previous law in the state was unconstitutional. Uh, Basically, the law, the first law was set to uh, prevent animal rights groups from uh, trespassing and doing secret investigations, uh, you know, in animal production facilities. Um, That law was proven, or I should say ruled to be unconstitutional. Uh, The state of Iowa went ahead, the Senate had passed a bill uh, to set a new law, but this one's focused more on what they call ag trespass. Uh, much of the language of that law is very similar to the first. Um, and so what we see now is these same groups that won in court previously, uh, they're going after this new law in the same court, in fact. And so on Monday they had filed a lawsuit uh, claiming that they had plans uh, to, to undercover investigate many facilities in Iowa again, um, and so basically what we have here is a civil rights complaint, is what, what it's termed as. Um, and again, challenging on uh, the right to free speech. Um, the state of Iowa, the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, has said that she will defend uh, this new law in order to protect ag facilities. Um, you know, a lot has been made in the past several years. Uh, some of these groups have gotten inside some of these facilities, done some filming undercover um, and, you know, the whole story there. So um, it sounds like, you know, when you look at this new law, it's really not all that different from the first. And so it's going to be interesting to see if uh, these animal rights groups can have the same success that they had previously. And we're seeing these types of challenges in several states. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've had ag-gag laws across the country, Utah, other places, um, where at least part or most of those laws have been struck down. And so... Um, you know, in the first the first case involving this Iowa this Iowa law, uh, the judge in that case had even made reference to many of those other state laws uh, that were struck down. And so, um, not really sure where this is going to go, but I I suspect that we're going to have this play out for a while longer. Yeah, we'll keep a watch on that. Meanwhile, there are 
legal challenges to some of the uh, the crop inputs that farmers use and, and rely on, use right. heavily, and uh, they're being challenged as well. Yeah, you know, uh, the Ninth Circuit Court out in San Francisco uh, recently, I believe it was last year, had, had basically ordered the EPA to ban all registrations of chlorpyrifos. Um, and the thing, the thing that we're seeing now is there's more court action ongoing. Um, and what happened was uh, EPA had appealed uh, for a, a full review by the full Ninth Circuit. And basically they were granted that review. Um, and as a result of that, oral arguments were held, I believe, at the end of March. And the court basically come out with an order this week uh, telling EPA that it needed to go back to a 2007 decision they had made. Um, back then, they had rejected a petition by many of these uh, many environmental groups uh, to, to uh, you know, the, the proposed ban. Um, and so what we're seeing now is that the court has ordered the EPA to go back and, and consider those objections. And basically, they have about 90 days to do it. So we're looking sometime in July, uh, EPA is going to issue some sort of a ruling on objections that were filed uh, more than a decade ago. Uh, and I suspect that from there we're going to see it uh, argued out in court again. Whether EPA this time decides to actually issue a ban, it's not sure. Uh, you know, under the previous administration, they had talked about and seemed to be heading that direction. And then uh, with the Trump administration, it it it, uh, it turned completely the other direction. So uh, I suspect this is going to keep going. We're going to see more court challenges along the way. This at the same time we have the legal challenges going on uh, with glyphosate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think the one thing we're seeing across the country is that many of these uh, many of these groups, these activist groups that are going after ag chemicals and, and other things uh, involving the industry, uh, it seems that they're becoming more aggressive and more uh, you know more success. Actually, uh, you know, we've seen with glyphosate um, quite a lot of success out west in, in many court cases. Uh, where some of the courts had ruled that there was a cancer connection to the use of, of the chemical. Um, I don't know as a whole in the industry where this is all going, but I do know that a lot of these things, uh, these inputs are, are critically needed in ag, and um, I suspect that, uh, you know, we're going to continue to see even more challenges, other chemicals and other situations play out. We're talking with DTN reporter Todd Neely. Todd, uh, the comment period has wrapped up on the proposed new rule for waters of the U.S. Where do we go from here? Yeah. Well, Mike, you know, they had, uh, at least on regulations.gov, they have over 300,000 public comments. Um, a lot of those are very good. A lot of them are anonymous, and so there's not a lot uh, that can be taken from those. But um, what we're going to see now, you know, it's going to take some time for EPA to go through all this, I think between the online and, and through the mail they're going to have in a, you know around a million comments if not more um, and then they're on track to, to have this rule finalized by September um, don't really know whether along the way you know maybe a public comment period might be extended I mean we've seen uh, some ag related groups ask for an extension uh, not a lot of that happening but um, I'm not sure at this point whether EPA is going to do that but we do know that it's on track for uh, completion this year and we're drawing uh, to a close for the uh, comment period on the E15 rule. Yeah, that that's coming Monday already. Um, I suspect, you know, as we've talked about a lot on your program, uh, we're going to see lawsuits involving uh, the E15 and maybe even more so on the RIN side of the, of the proposal because that side of the proposal seems 
uh, less secure and less uh, less researched by the EPA at this point. And so um, I think there's still some hope in the industry that perhaps, you know, maybe EPA can separate the two proposals from the single proposal. Uh, in other words, giving E15 a better chance to go into effect by June 1st. Uh, I've often, so I've often said, Todd, Todd, I've often said yeah. we could do a whole show just called Ag in the Courtroom. <laughs> exactly. Because so much, so much uh, winds up there anymore, so many of these issues. Really Todd, we got to go. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Good update. Right. Yeah, thank you. DTN reporter Todd Neely. All right, coming up next, we're going to check in with an Illinois farmer for a planting update. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart Rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at IngeniaHerbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank. And you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source. Your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, clean water issues in this country. Let's talk about it with Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation on the clean water rule. What's the next step? This rule, which we believe is more balanced, we believe that it is also legally defensible. We also believe it's going to go to the Supreme Court. So there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, but I hope the uncertainty is now moving back near the center where we can live and operate our farms in ways that we're not in in danger of, of running afoul of the law. It is going to take a while. You can expect EPA to spend a lot of quality time between now and the end of this year uh, preparing to finalize a rule that they can support. They've got to flesh out not only the, the decisions they make, but why and the rationale why they made those decisions. I think that is critically important, and that's critically important in, in making sure that it is legally defensible. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we continue to get updates on planting that's uh, slowly getting underway in places. Other places are still waiting. Uh, I'm in west central Illinois. Saw some planters going yesterday, but we had some rain last night, so um, we're kind of in that off and on type of scenario right now. Let's check in another part of Illinois. David Erickson joins us. He farms between the Quad Cities and Peoria. David, thanks for joining us. Uh, how much getting done in your area? Good morning, Mike. Yeah, um, I think it, it looks like everybody's doing a little bit of something, and nobody knows for sure uh, whether it's right or not. It's, you know, a little bit uh, cool. We've, we've got plenty of moisture, but not... Uh, not too much to actually go to the field. Um, soybean planting happening, some corn planting happening, and obviously uh, prep stuff uh, for those things to happen as well. Where were you? Where are you as far as uh, that prep work? Did you get a lot done last fall, or are you like many that did not get much done? Uh, we were in a slot here uh, where there was a lot of fall work that was able to get done if you were keeping up with it kind of as harvest was going along um if you waited until after harvest to get started on that field work uh you probably didn't get it all done and then the spring wasn't particularly kind to uh you know getting anhydrous ammonia applied it it uh seemed like it get almost dry and then it get wet again um so that was kind of a protracted thing i think that it stopped as of the end of last week um uh, what's on in our area is, is uh, what's going to be on, and uh, there were some producers who went, you know, to a, a liquid form of nitrogen uh, for their pre-plant uh, to replace that anhydrous. Compared to a year ago, where are you? How how much did you have done a year ago at this time? Well, interestingly enough, Mike, you know, we every year we think, oh, spring's not going to get here, but I actually started planting last year on April 23rd. I started this year on April 22nd, so Monday, and um, just kind of taking a slow approach thus far. So I'm about where I was last year. I guess the difference between this year and last year from my perspective where I live is that um, it's not really uh, bursting in the spring. It's just kind of, okay, it's getting a little bit warmer and a little bit drier, uh, but it's not really uh, 
we're not seeing temperatures rise quite as quickly as we did last year. I remember, you know, last year it seemed like it was a lot later than it really was. It seemed like it took forever for the weather to cooperate and get going. But as you said, uh, when you kind of look at the calendar, and we're reminded again that uh, it's a lot of times it's not as late as it feels, and that you still got plenty of time. Right, and you know, uh, I, <laughs> we were in that area that was uh, lucky enough to get a couple inches of snow on Palm Sunday. Uh, so that always adjusts your attitude as well, um, mm-hmm. although, you know, it melts quickly then. But, uh, yeah, um, I would say it's fairly typical, quite honestly, for spring uh, in our part of the state. Um, it, it just kind of gets here slowly, and, and then at some point, uh, you know, it just explodes into what is more like early summer. Yeah, well, we're now getting into that period where you start really getting uh, anxious and watching it as we wind down April and, and head towards May. We're talking with David Erickson, who farms between the Quad Cities and the Peoria, uh, as we look at the planning. You know, and Illinois, I mentioned, David, that uh, some field work going on around me in West Central Illinois, but I talked with someone over on the eastern side of the state yesterday, and he said he was out driving around and did not see a single tractor going. So it shows how it's... Uh, it varies around the state. I've I've heard the same thing as well, Mike. That uh, there are pockets that uh, work is able to be done, uh, but they're not necessarily contiguous, <laughs> uh, and uh, that you get not too far away from from those areas where work's being done, and there's uh, virtually nothing going on. So I I do think it is a little bit slower start, but I think we had similar conditions last spring kind of spotty areas where things would go um, and uh, places where it didn't. Any changes for you and acres, or are you sticking pretty much to your rotation? We're still in our, our normal uh, corn-soybean rotation. It works well for us uh, from um, our farming practice. We're a no-till operation, both corn and soybean. It uh, helps us uh, manage residue, helps us manage disease, and and helps us uh, manage, you know, uh, field operations and, and grain storage on the farm as well. So we're, we're sticking with that. Uh, it seems to work well for us. Been able to get much spraying done so far? You know, again, uh, it, it kind of opened up the window there at the end of last week, um, just prior to the Easter weekend, and, and I think a lot of spraying going on in our area. Uh, ground conditions are really good for that so i think a, a lot of uh sprayer and, and uh liquid nitrogen applications going on i know that uh, along with trying to get planning going you're watching some of the uh issues of the day and especially on some of these trade fronts i'm sure you're anxiously awaiting some resolution there that would hopefully help the markets yeah i Mike, like everybody else, I'm, I'm interested to see there be a positive conclusion there. You know, I think the USMCA is in a position where it appears Mexico and Canada are willing to move forward on it. I guess uh, we need to decide here uh, legislatively uh, whether uh, we're ready to move forward on it. Um, the China trade thing, we keep hearing um, positive news, uh, but you can't. Uh, bet on just news so we need to see some more happen there and and of course the marketplace is you know finally realized that hey it's going to take a while to chew through these uh, big crops of corn wheat and soybeans and um, 
so the market's not particularly positive as well either. So um, it's a good thing we got spring here where we're ultimately optimistic about mm-hmm. the new growing season because there's some other things that aren't so optimistic, I guess. Folks in your area holding on to still to a lot of grain, waiting for the price to go up, or is there much grain moving? You know, I think there's uh, what I consider some grain moving. I don't know that it's a normal amount. Basis levels have improved in our area. Uh, you mentioned I, I live uh, between Peoria and the Quad Cities, so we can we can uh, deliver grain to terminal markets on the Mississippi River or the Illinois River, quite frankly, mostly on the Illinois River, but uh, we also have inland um, ethanol plants that provide actually the best market for us, uh, for our corn. Those basis levels have gotten better, which is in, an indication to me that there's not much grain moving and, and the uh, buyers are having to improve basis levels to get people to cut loose of a few bushels. So the near-term basis is better, you know, um, but I still think there's a lot of grain in storage, both commercial storage and on-farm storage, and uh, it may slowly move out if prices improve. Otherwise, it could be a slow go, um, you know, all summer. What's your forecast look like for this week? You think you're going to be able to get much done? You know, I was just looking at the radar before you called because this morning is had been one of those deals where it does this little bit of a sprinkle. It's okay to go, but it sprinkles a little bit, and then it'll stop, and then it'll sprinkle a little bit. Um, our forecast looks really <laughs> variable. Quite frankly, there's chances for rain uh, about every other day throughout the, the next week to 10 days. Uh, how much that actually materializes. Um, so I think we just, you know, plan to go to work, and uh, if we don't, we'll plan to do something else. Yeah, some gonna make those judgment calls. You want to get out there, but you don't want to get out there if the conditions aren't aren't good. That's right. Yeah, you know that thing is hard to describe, Mike. I know with your experience, you you understand that, but it, it's hard to describe that uh, difference between. You know, being able to go because it looks dry or being able to go because it looks dry is warming up and uh, looks like it's going to continue to be dry. Sometimes the most critical period is after you plant for that next 48 hours for the seed to germinate. Um, That's even more critical than what the weather was even before you planted it. So, yeah, sometimes it's a hard call. All right, David, thanks for the update. We'll stay in touch, and uh, hopefully next time we talk, you'll have a lot in the ground by then. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the call. Have a good day. Okay, take care. David Erickson, he farms uh, in Illinois between the Quad Cities and Peoria. A little bit later on in the program, we're going to check in with a farmer in northeast Nebraska to see uh, how things are there and uh, if they have any uh, planning done yet, or, and if so, just how much. But coming up next, we're going to focus on trade, especially for the pork industry. Maria Ziba, the Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council, will join us next. We'll talk Japan, China, and USMCA next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. So you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips. Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories, published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean, or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. The grains were mixed in overnight trade, weakness in the wheat, row crops trying to stabilize after Tuesday losses. July soybeans etched out a large bearish selling day on the charts yesterday. The market skidding to its lowest level since September 19th. July soybean bears eyeing a retest of major swing low support at 863 and a quarter. On the upside, resistance lies at 890 and a quarter. An hour into the trading day, July soybeans 875, down a half cent. In corn, July down two at 358 and a quarter. New crop contracts a bit weaker too. December corn down two and a half, 377 and a quarter. November soybeans down a half cent, 895 and three quarters. Wheat futures, more minus signs. Chicago wheat July down six and a quarter, an hour into the day at 438 and three quarters. Kansas City July at 413, that's down eight cents. Minneapolis spring wheat July down a nickel at 514 and a half. September at 523, down five and a half. After a defensive activity yesterday in cotton, more minus signs. On this Wednesday session, July down 48 points at 77.43. For livestock at the Merck in feeder cattle, triple-digit losses. Minus signs in live cattle, too. April live cattle down 50 cents at 127.90. Feeder cattle, August down $1.37 at 158.35. Lean hog futures, June near unchanged, up 7 cents per hundredweight at 92.42. The Dow down 12, S&P down a fraction, crude oil down 13 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manual 
manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk trade. There's optimism with Japan, China, USMCA, but still plenty of questions and a lot of hurdles yet to overcome. Let's uh, look at it from the pork industry's perspective. Joining us now is the Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council, Maria Ziba. Maria, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's start with Japan. That's kind of the one go- new one going on now. It seems to be moving along. Uh, what's... Uh, What's your take on the talk so far, and what does the pork industry want to see come out of this? Uh, we need to have a agreement or negotiations with the Japanese pretty quickly here. Um, we will take a deal just like the one that we had during the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP. Um, last year, the U.S. exported $1.6 billion to Japan in 2018, and we need to continue to be able to have that market access so you would want something pretty similar to what we would have had had we stayed in tpp is that right yeah we had a really good agreement on the pork side with the japanese and we know we had a good agreement because our biggest competitors um, like the eu essentially copy and pasted what we spent so uh, so much time negotiating and they now have a preferential agreement with the Japanese, and they're seeing, we're seeing how the EU, the Canadians, uh, Mexicans are, are taking that market share away from the United States pork industry. Um, we need to have a similar agreement, and we need to have it as soon as possible. Our, our farmers and our producers are very dependent on that Japanese market, and we need to have um, that preferential access as soon as possible. All right, so how bad are we getting hurt in Japan right now not having a deal? We're seeing some of our exports go down. Um, You know, we're already at a tariff disadvantage. Those trade agreements did go into effect with, like I mentioned, EU and Canada, Mexico. Um, So there is a a decrease. Um, Iowa State economist Dr. Dermot Hayes said that if we do not have a trade agreement with the Japanese, then that $1.6 billion of pork in 2018, we will see a decrease over the next 15 years to about $350 million. So it seems like the talks are moving right along. Um, do you see this going faster than the, the China talks? Yeah, I think that there's more willingness on both the Japanese side and the U.S. side to quickly finalize um, these discussions. And there's definitely more willingness, and they're 
perhaps less issues uh, to resolve between the two countries. So we keep a close watch there. Meanwhile, the China talks continue, and uh, the African swine fever component of this cannot be overlooked. Did you, do you see that putting more pressure on China to, if not come to an agreement, at least uh, to buy more U.S. pork and protein? Well, we know that ASF is is in China and it's, it's spreading throughout Asia. Now, what we need to see is a resolution to the trade dispute with China. We're facing a 62% tariff retaliatory and um, tariff into the Chinese market. And it's going to be very difficult for us to compete when those big competitors don't have to pay a 50% retaliatory tariff. And so... It, it, it makes it very complicated for us to compete in that market when we're the only ones that have to pay um, 50%. But are they buying uh, – does this show that how serious the situation is there, that they're going to buy even at the high, with the higher rates with the tariffs on, that they're still going to need to buy? Well, what we've seen with the data in the last few months for January and February um, – they have decreased their purchases of U.S. pork. So it's, even though ASF is, is um, they're having some issues with ASF in, in China, they aren't necessarily buying from the U.S. And I think that the large part of that is because um, our, our product is more expensive than our competitors. So if we could get a deal down there, it would seem that pork would be one of the uh, commodities that really would have an opportunity to uh, gain big market uh, access, big market share, especially with the African swine fever situation. We definitely need to have a resolution with the Chinese. Um, It's costing our producers $8 a hog or a billion dollars annualized basis. Our competitors aren't having to pay a retaliatory tariff of 50% plus the existing 12% tariff. And, you know, these discussions have gone on. It's not just affecting U.S. pork, but we are part of a larger supply chain. So we're seeing those decreases throughout U.S. ag. Without knowing, obviously, what details would be. But trade deals with Japan and China... Uh, if we had both of those that would seemingly reduce the tariffs and open up those markets to U.S. pork producers, what kind of potential are we looking at then if we had both of those markets open? Well, I think we would see growth in, in that Japanese market. Um, we've, we've, you know, there have been loyal customers of ours, and we would definitely see an, an increase in that in, in exports to Japan. Um, and in the Chinese market, like you said, ASF creates an opportunity for us, but that opportunity really doesn't exist unless we have a deal with the Chinese. And even with a deal, that, that's an opportunity then, right? Uh, we're still going to face competition. Yeah, we're going to ha- face some steep competition um, from the Canadians, the Europeans, the Mexicans, you know, China is a big market, and there are a lot of people that want to play in that market. So at this point, which you think is more apt to get done first, a deal with Japan or a deal with China? 
Well, luckily, the administration has been doing both, and, and we don't have to choose between, you know, one child over the other, which one's our favorite. Um, we, the administration has been negotiating and talking to both of these countries at the same time, and, and they understand how important it is to finalize discussions as soon as possible with both. Yeah, we just we just need to see some resolution happen uh, sooner as soon as possible for sure. We're talking with Maria Ziba, uh, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. All right, let us turn our attention now to another critical piece of this uh, puzzle when it comes to trade, and that's USMCA. And let's talk about uh, what's at stake here for the pork industry because you're still getting hurt by these uh, tariffs, uh, steel and aluminum tariffs, especially on Mexico. Yeah, 40% of our exports go to both Canada and Mexico. Um, We need to have a trade agreement with both of those countries, but those tariffs, those 232 tariffs, need to be removed from from Mexico and Canada. Um, We are only on the retaliation list with Mexico. We've been paying a 20% duty into, into that market, and it's, it's really hurting our exports. Um, the Canadians have discussed refreshing their list, and they've, they've signaled out pork as, as being um, on their target. So we need to have a resolution with both of these countries on steel and aluminum because it's, it's, it, 40% of our exports go to Mexico and Canada. We need to maintain those markets. Meanwhile, we see where AFL-CIO president uh, says the uh, that group will not support USMCA until Mexico demonstrates how it plans to conduct votes on uh, some 700,000 collective bargaining agreements. So uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of pressures on this deal, a lot of different layers to it, right? Yeah, there's um, definitely a, a labor component that that is different and and um, needs to get resolved. But, you know, we've had these labor concerns before um, with other countries, and we've seemed to be able to get through them and, and get other free trade agreements passed. Um, so I think we, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. So these three issues, these three fronts, China, Japan, USMCA, uh, that's your... That's your focal point right now, right, at NPPC to get these pushed through? Yes. Removing the, the tariffs, the metal tariffs, is our, our largest priority. Um, you know, we don't have a 20% competitive advantage in these markets where we can sustain um, the sustain the hit for much longer. And we need to also complete a deal with the Japanese as soon as possible because we will see that market uh, reduce significantly over the next few years. And like you mentioned, the Chinese, we need to have a deal with the Chinese as soon as possible because paying a 50% retaliatory duty on our, on pork is, is really creates a, a huge issue for us in, in the future. Next round of talks with China comes next week. Uh, in the Beijing and then uh, back here in Washington in the U.S. on, on May 8th that week. So uh, at least there's more on the schedule. Hopefully uh, that gets us to an announcement soon. Maria, as always, thanks for the update. Thank you. Maria Zeba, 
Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. So we keep a close watch on all three of those major trade fronts and the talks that are going on. And meanwhile, we continue to take a look at uh, how planting is going or not going in parts of the country. Nebraska's had a tough spring, of course. We'll check in with a farmer in northeast Nebraska. Greg Anderson gives us an update next here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Okay, men. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills our math, our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water, your air, your food. You're going to need our organizational skills, our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination, our honesty, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. 
Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, let's take a look at the recently released Ag Census. Joining us to do that is American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevue. I think farmers have an excellent story to tell in terms of uh, they really are the original stewards of the land. And one thing that changed from the 2017 and 2012 census, and this is 2012 was the first time they asked this question, conventional versus conservation versus no-till. Um, in 2012, conventional uh, was at the top, followed by conservation and no-till. In the 2017, um, no-till was the highest, followed by conservation, and then uh, conventional was the lowest. So you're definitely seeing uh, more farms utilize uh, environmentally friendly practices. Uh, additionally, one that was captured was cover crop. Uh, amount of acres uh, planted with cover crops increased by 50%. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, it was three weeks ago we talked with Nebraska farmer Greg Anderson. He farms in northeastern Nebraska, and at that time we were talking about the flooding. Greg, how much has changed in those th- these last three weeks? Well, Mike, things have firmed up, and the good news is today the sun is out. We're getting some nice southerly uh, light breezes, uh, probably good for spraying and that type of thing. Um, the concerning thing is, though, that uh, we're c- continuing to get to these rain systems every two or three days. So the forecast for the next uh, week to 10 days is for three or four chances of some pretty good showers moving in. I'm quite certain that as the farmers around me are commenting now, you know, it's not too late, but maybe a week or 10 days from now, they'll be a little bit more concerned if these weather events happen. Now you're all soybeans. Have you started at all? Uh, No, I have not. I'm um, thinking about maybe uh, later today, uh, just getting a few beans in the ground. Uh, uh, there's a forecast of some showers tonight, so uh, we'll see just to get everything kind of set and ready to go. Uh, I would like to get going towards the end of the week for sure. Uh, the earlier planted beans uh, just do better. I, I think everyone kind of knows that now as opposed to years ago when we really didn't get concerned about planting beans till mid-May. I'd like to get those beans in the ground up and emerge so that those leaves can capture sunlight as the day's lengthen and uh, those always uh, enhance the yield so uh, we'll see how that goes talking with your neighbors any corn in the ground at all in your area yes there is a little bit of corn in the ground uh, starting to get in this week Um, 
before this uh, last rain event, uh, some some people know some corn in the ground and. Uh, the fields look in good shape. As you've been in this part of the country before, Mike, uh, even, and even on my farm, you remember a lot of rolling hills, and people are kind of picking and choosing their fields. If it's a good slope and, and well-drained, uh, those are the fields that they're working in. All right, so the uh, leftover damage from the flood in your area, uh, what are you seeing as far as roads, infrastructure, and even uh, debris on fields? What are you seeing in your area? Well, in my area, Mike, the debris on fields has pretty much been cleaned up. Um, there's still uh, some ditch work to do here and there, some touch-up work we need with a light disc or, or, a, or a blade. That's pretty much done, though. On the infrastructure, that's still another story. Uh, there's a lot of country roads that still need a lot of attention. Um, the county has been working uh, you know, marvelously in trying to, to keep up. Uh, there's a lot of work yet to be done. A lot of roads that have been kind of patched and temporarily enough to get by, but uh, certainly throughout the uh, spring and summer months, uh, those uh, county crews will be coming back and uh, maintaining uh, those roads in a, in to get better shape. I don't anticipate probably until fall uh, harvest uh, will these roads be back in the condition that they need to be in. Again, as you talk with folks in your area, has there been any challenges like getting anhydrous or... Uh, is that available or shortages, backups? What, what are you dealing with? I would say backups, Mike, and just, uh, you know, the availability of getting it in here and so forth. Sometimes people can get a tank or two, and then they'll have to wait till the next day until their local supplier gets more anhydrous in. So it's kind of touch and go that way. I know that uh, anhydrous also has been uh, very difficult, just enough to get the, the ground dry enough to work so that it can get on. And uh, so that's been also a concern. So uh, the, the late fertilization from last fall continues even into the spring months here. Well, I mentioned you're all soybeans, but for, for folks in your area, do you see any of them perhaps switching some corn acres to beans? Uh, not yet. I think people are still trying to stay with their original plan if they're intending to plant corn. And a lot of people do that on the rotation. They're going to try to stick with it. I talked to a district sales manager of a seed company who uh, a couple weeks ago was already fielding calls from growers wanting to switch hybrids, thinking that, thinking that it would be too late. And the DSM advised the guys, hey, don't switch yet. Stay with those uh, longer season varieties, uh, hybrids of choice, because they'll uh, you know, continue to do the best. Uh, let's wait until mid to late May before we make those choices. And I think that's pretty, pretty good advice. So you hope to get some planning maybe started today. When did you start last year? You know, Mike, it was actually a couple of days later than this. Uh, we were a little bit late, too, because of a late spring. We had a, a big snowstorm there, I think, around April 14th uh, last year that just took a while for everything to dry off. Uh, this year, the concern was all the rain we had in March. And actually, in uh, April now, we've been just a little bit below normal, uh, Not nothing uh, to be concerned about because we're not in any type of a drought. We have all kinds of uh, subsoil moisture to work on, but it was about this time last year that I started uh, getting beans, and I think I finished up around the 10th of May. So if I could do that again, I'd be pleased. Yeah, how did your yields turn out last year? Well, last year I had the best soybean uh, yields I ever had. Uh, we had uh, wonderful rains through the through the year, through the summer months. Um, I sprayed fungicide at R3, which I think added some bushels, no doubt. 
but it was just a very, very good growing season. So I think there's uh, good advice for folks not to panic. Um, don't press it. Uh, go in there when the conditions are right. You don't want to do it again. Uh, you don't. You want to uh, involve. You know. Uh, really uh, stop those compaction problems, which I think could be a big uh, factor here where guys are working too wet. So we want to give that uh, seed a good uh, environment in which to germinate and thrive. And uh, we still have opportunities for, uh, you know, a a really good year. Yeah, I think that's uh, something to keep in mind. Uh, I I often say this, it seems later than it is at this time of year. And as you point out, uh, when you look back to just last year, uh, you know, you're about right on schedule with that, and you had a great year. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, I think guys are, are kind of realizing that. I know everybody likes to get going. Um, there's nothing better than sitting in the tractor and, and uh, listening to the radio and planting your crop. But uh, those days will come. We'll, we'll get them, and uh, just everybody work safe and, and um, work uh, smart, I guess, is yeah. what we really need to be doing. Yep, never guarantees. You don't know what the rest of the year will uh, will have in store. But, uh, yeah, so at least when you look at planting time, you're not that much different than a year ago, and hopefully it will turn out as good as it did last year. Greg, as always, thanks for the update. I'm going to check back with you maybe a couple more weeks, see how much you have done, okay? I'll look forward to it, Mike. Thanks. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Greg Anderson Farms in Cenex Premium Nebraska. Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply health care coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. 